When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hi, everybody. This is Adriana Trajani. I'm the host of You Are What You Read. I have the privilege of interviewing luminaries of our times about the books that shaped them from childhood until now. We get everybody from Sarah Jessica Parker to Kristen Hanna, Mitch Albom, Susie Essman, Craig Ferguson, Rain Wilson, Amor Tolls, you name it, they come, they share. New episodes of You Are What You Read drop every Tuesday on Apple, Spotify, or any major streaming platform wherever you listen to your podcasts. Tom Bernard Show with Andy Brant Bernard. We have Tim Pawlenty coming in this hour, running for governor again. Uh, we'll explain that whole situation. I've known Tim long before he was governor the first time around. So uh, he'll be coming this hour. We have a, a number of very uh, good guests. Uh, thank you again to Chris Cortlander for being on the show. We have uh, three more great guests coming up. We'll be right back for the second hour, Tom Bernard Show. Walzer Automotive Group started in Minnesota over 60 years ago. Most people know something about the Walzer way. Upfront, no haggle pricing, work with one person from start to finish, or the free lifetime powertrain warranty on most vehicles sold in Minnesota. What you might not know is they are the only automotive group that is a member of the Keystone Club. They join such great Minnesota companies as General Mills, Target, Cargill, the Twins, Wolves, and Vikings in pledging 5% pre-tax profits to local charities. It's a great example of their core values. Do the right thing, display positive energy, be open-minded, and lead by example. So if you're in the market for a new or used car, check out walzer.com or stop into one of their dealerships. Please don't say, tell them Tommy sent you, because it sounds fake, and I hate it. Walzer Automotive Group. Walzer.com. Michael Bryant, Brad, Sean Bryant, what's the latest? Well, basically, we're trying to represent people who have been hurt and talk to them before they talk to an adjuster. Uh, one of the key points is to make sure you know what your rights are before you start talking to the insurance company and they start asking you questions or they try to settle your case early and cheap. Well, what's interesting to me is, you know, a lot of people have fear of attorneys. It makes them very uncomfortable. They get nervous about it. What should I do? I've known Michael for years and years now, and I would highly recommend you. So that should be good enough for everybody because I don't endorse people who are dirtbags. Well, I, I appreciate that. Um, but I guess the key is, is people think I'll charge them if I talk to them. Right. So a lot of people call me up. It's like, how much is this going to cost if you call me back? Like, you want me to call you back? How much will that cost? I don't charge people. The only way I get paid is if we recover, um, if we get money from the, the other side. And there's a lot of people I talk to that I never get paid for that are just part of giving them advice to make sure they know what they can do and what their rights are. And your record's terrific as well, we should point out. Well, it works. It's been good. It's been good, ladies and gentlemen. It's been good. And how do they contact you? uh, Either through our website, which is minnesotapersonalinjury.com, minnesotapersonalinjury.com, or at 800-770-7008. Michael Bryant, Bradshaw, and Bryant. We are back on the Tom Bernard Show, ladies and gentlemen. Andy's here. I'm here. We'll be joined in about 15 minutes. Uh, Tim Pawlenty will join us. Also, uh, another special guest coming up this hour. And another guest in the third hour. Uh, I, I believe uh, Tim Pawlenty is going to stay with us for the first uh, part of the, the third hour as well. 
Let's see. He is scheduled for yes, yes, indeed. Exactly. So there you go. While the tributes continue to pour in for Barbara Bush, a Fresno State professor is taking heat for her diatribe against the former first lady. Barbara Bush was a generous and smart and amazing racist who, along with her husband, raised a war criminal. Okay. Wait. So this would be George H.W. Bush's wife? Yes. George W. Bush's wife is... Laura. Laura. Okay, I see. Barbara Bush was George W. Bush's mother. Oh, so she's upset at her for giving birth to W. I see. Rhonda Gerard wrote uh, to kick off an hours-long tweet storm Tuesday just after the 92-year-old's death per the Vesalia uh, Times Delta. In subsequent tweets on her feed, now set to private, Gerard added she can't wait for the rest of the Bush's family to fall to their demise the way 1.5 million Iraqis have, called Bush a witch, noted she felt free to speak her mind as a professor at Fresno State, and claimed that her tenure there would protect her from dire consequences for her remarks. I will never be fired, she wrote in one tweet, adding she made $100,000 a year. Why would you put all that stuff in your tweet? Well, because she's right. She's invincible, and if you give someone that much power, they're going to abuse it. But why would you point out to people how much you make? What does that have to do with not liking Barbara Bush? Just, you know, another way that she can make everyone else feel inferior to her because it's all about, you know, it's all about power. Gerard, an associate English professor on a current leave of absence, may have been too confident about her job status. A professor with tenure does not have blanket protection to say and do what they wish, said University President Joseph Castro, who adds the university is reviewing the matter per the Fresno Bee. In a statement, Castro distanced Fresno State from Gerard's views and in a radio interview said he was personally shocked, upset, and appalled at her tone, substance, and timing per the Post. Not everyone is against Gerard. One Fresno grad says people are going after Gerard for stating something valid. Bush had been uh, criticized in the past for saying mostly black Hurricane Katrina evacuees were underprivileged anyway, so it was working very well for them to be holed up in Houston's Astrodome. I don't remember that at all. She said that? I think think they're saying that Bush said that. This is all because they don't like George Bush. That's all it is. Oh, it's all about not liking George Bush. It's not, I I don't know. I, I don't remember him saying that either. Um, let's see, what did she say? Black hurricane. Uh, black hurricane, uh, that, that under, they were underprivileged anyway. Mostly black hurricane Katrina evacuees were underprivileged anyway, so it was working very well for them to be holed up in you. <clears throat> now, it is in quotes. Oh, they are saying Barbara said that. They are saying Barbara did say that. Uh, let's see. Um, well, I mean, that's basically... Almost everyone I've talked to says we're going to move to Houston. What I'm hearing, which is sort of scary, is that they all want to stay in Texas. Everyone is so overwhelmed by the hospitality. Oh, see, here we go. And so many people in the arena here, you know, were underprivileged anyway, so this is working very well for them. She didn't say anything about black people. She just said so many of the people here. So. Oh, so they threw the black part in there. Yep. Naturally, because okay. that's what people do. So, so... What she said wasn't really negative. Well, I mean, yeah, even if she was talking about black people, it's like, wasn't that basically like the whole point is that they were, you know, 
Well, if they you weren't, weren't you, like they weren't privileged enough to survive the hurricane or whatever the hell. I don't really understand. If, if they were underprivileged, it's working very well for them to be holed up in Houston's Astrodome. I don't see how that's a negative comment. I don't either. They're safe. Uh, isn't that? I just take it as being, hey, you know what? They're safe. So that's that's a good thing. I don't know. I, I, reading these political stories. It just amazes me because you really can't win no matter how you interpret no. them. You can't uh, win unless you're on their side, in yeah, which case I you can say true. literally anything you want. So who's Rhonda Girard? Is there any uh, – it's R-A-N-D-A-J-A-R-R-A-R. See if you could find anything on, on college professor Rhonda Girard, will you? Because she's on leave, uh, and she might not be brought back apparently. She may be fired for what she said. Uh, on, well, she said, thank God the witch is dead. She said, yeah, thank God the witch is dead, something like that. Yes, um, yes, indeed. Does she have, uh, is there any information about this Professor Rhonda Gerard, Gerard or Gerard or however you pronounce it? Because I have, I just don't understand why just after someone died the day they die you want to go after them i really guess i don't understand what that's all about um no basically everything oh wait she does have a wikipedia page though but probably just because of this but you know whatever well let me see it there's really no this is oh there's nothing on there in 2014 she said something about white belly dancers are engaging in brown face so she's just you know a brainwashed white belly dancers are Engaged in brown face, what the hell does that mean? People have, they hear the term black face, and their takeaway from it is that if your face is, if you make your face black, that's black face, even though that's not what it is. No. So then they further corrupted it into, if you do anything, if a white person does something that a black person did first, that's black face. And now they've further corrupted that into, if a white person does anything non-white, that's brown face. So basically, if I use, uh, I don't, I haven't played golf in a couple of years. I've played about 18 holes. But the next time I I go play golf, if I use a tee to tee up my ball, that's black face. Because golf tees were invented by a black man. It's cultural, cultural appropriation. Well, I don't think it is, because I think he did rather well making some dough off of those, didn't he? I guess. I guess he just. I don't really know the history of the golf tee. I don't, super I don't well. really either, but I, I just have to believe that he, inventing the golf tee worked out rather well for him. I, I'm, maybe it didn't. I don't know. Colleges are just, um, they're too eager to give tenure to mentally ill people just because they're yeah, I guess willing so. to uh, say what they want them to say. Why do they wish to believe that white people are the most evil people on earth? White Christians particularly are the most evil people on earth and that nobody else even comes close, which is idiotic. It's a ridiculous belief. Well, it's the same reason, you know, why were so many Germans uh, willing to, you know, round people up and throw them in mass graves while they were still alive, that kind of thing. It's just most people are willing, they'll do and believe whatever you tell them to believe. As long as they perceive it as popular enough of an opinion. Yeah, they well, they were talked into, uh, didn't that whole regime, that Hitler re- regime, uh, convinced, they, they convinced German citizens that it was the Jews who crushed the banks, 
Well, actually, wasn't it that the French, after World War One, they kind of... Uh, World War One did not help the Ger- Germany, no. No, it did not help Germany at all. But wasn't it the French that insisted that we keep our foot on the throat of the German people, which was a huge mistake, by the way? I, well, yeah, in hindsight, it sure was. Well, but I mean, like, you know, in Rwanda... Yeah. How did 800,000 people, or however many it was, they were just all convinced to go around, you know slaughtering their neighbors yeah i don't think the average person thinks beyond they just desire leadership and no matter what the leadership says they'll follow that yeah but why do they why do they want to believe because it's easy it's easy to not have any uh unique beliefs i mean if you could just shut down your brain and do what everyone tells you to do then that's a pretty easy life yeah, it'd be boring as hell, though, don't you think? Just I would think so, do but... Do what you're told for the rest of your life? Yeah. I don't know. It just, it, uh, I just think people want to be, want to feel that they've been victimized. Whether they've been victimized or not, I just think that people want well, to feel, say. oh, I've been a victim of something. Yep. And I, I, why do they want to believe that? Well, it's easy popularity. Yeah, I guess so. It's just and it's easy power. I can, I can feel sorry for myself over and over and over and over again. Yeah, I suppose that is true. It goes back to power again. Yeah. If you're does. a victim, then people will give you free things for zero effort on your part, and that's quite a bit of power. Right. No, that's true. In the past, I, you had to become, you know, like a king or something to get that kind of privilege. Right. So now it's just basically, I, I don't know. I, I, I just, I don't know why people want to be so unhappy and to pretend that they actually care about everyone. Do you think it's all a false front anyway, that they're only pretending to care about other people just yes. so they'll be left alone? I do. See, that's the, I hate to say that, but that's kind of the take that I get from it is, you're just saying that because you think it protects you from being affected by all of this. It, it's not going to protect you from anything, you dumb <laughs> well, I mean, it, if you look it, at Hollywood, yeah. the uh, nexus of everything, you know, how many of those people have they assaulted people or, you know, like mowed down a civilian and got away with it or oh, yeah. something oh, like that? Absolutely. There, there's very little innocence in Hollywood, but they're the ones who are at the forefront of uh, that whole movement. First hour, we just read the statement by Joe Rogan that just said, hey. They, they, they're the first one to complain about guns and uh, complain about this and that and the other thing. That's how they make all their money is putting guns in movies. It's just, uh, I don't know. The whole thing is just a bad, uh, you know. Hey, by the way, this is, a, this is good news. The poop train finally departed that Alabama town. We were talking about this yesterday. Uh, we were talking about the poop train and all this, that, and the other thing. Well, apparently it finally left Alabama. That train, how long had that train sat there full of poop? I don't remember. Uh, oh, my mic is on. I don't remember this at all. I don't think we talked about it on the podcast. Oh, it was a morning show? I believe so, because I have not heard about this. The smelliest train in America has rolled out of Parrish, Alabama, and the small town hopes it will never see its lights again. In what Mayor Heather Hall described as wonderful news, the train's load of 10 million pounds of sewage... Mm-hmm. Sludge from uh, New York and New Jersey has been transported to a private landfill site 25 miles away after stinking up the town for more than two months. Wait a minute. They transported it all the way to Alabama? Yeah. That seems 
like kind of inefficient. Yeah, it's very inefficient, as a matter of fact. Hmm. And then it just sat there for two months. Thank God it wasn't the summer heat. That would have been even worse. But Well, in Alabama, I mean, it's not exactly cold. It doesn't exactly get cold. Exactly. In April. The 250 tractor-trailer loads of poop ended up in the parish rail yard after nearby West Jefferson sued to prevent the sludge from being uh, handled locally. Oh my God. The sludge smells of dead, rotting animals as well as human waste and caused the town to become infested with flies, West Jefferson's legal action stated. How was it allowed in the first place? Why did anybody in the town say, okay, you can park your train right there and just leave it there for two months? How how can that happen in the first place? I really don't understand. Well, I don't really understand how New York doesn't have, you know, like sewage treatment. Mm, yeah. I think I that would be kind of necessary, but apparently instead they just take the medieval route and transport it far enough away that they can't smell it anymore. I guess so. Parish residents say the stench from the waste, which was parked near Little League ball fields, was inescapable, made life in the town of 982 people almost unbearable. The mayor, who said the sludge smelled like death, plans to introduce zoning laws to prevent an encore. She says other small towns in the south are dealing with similar problems on a smaller scale. This material does not need to be in a populated area, period, she said in a Facebook post. It greatly diminishes the quality of life for those who live anywhere near it. Paris residents firmly agree. Why would New York City like for us to send all of our, uh, would New York City like for all of us to send all of our poop up there forever? One resident tells the AP. They don't want to dump it in their rivers, but I think each state should take care of their own waste. Yeah, I would have to agree. Why don't, why don't we just do this? Each state take care of your own waste as uh, best you can. I still. How did this ever happen that all of this waste got put on a train and sent from New York, New Jersey to Alabama? That's a. <laughs> Who made money off of that deal? Well, here's something. Um, I was going to say, you know, maybe it would be a good idea to like uh, seal the train off, you know, so it's, you know, if it's sealed, you can't smell it or anything. Yeah. But here's how good of a job they did at sealing that. Um, there are nice ripe tomatoes growing along the track. Because fertilizer was leaking out. Oh. Yeah. Yeah, tomato seed just uh, got all those nutrients and sprouted up. That is a, that's an unbelievable so story. So that's how great those tanks are. That is an unbelievable story. That is amazing. And it's weird because this is like the only time a train like that appears in the news. So I don't know why they yeah. did it. Who knows? I do know this, ladies and gentlemen, that sitting in the uh, out... Uh, the out, the outer sanctum. If there's an inner sanctum, can there be an outer sanctum? Anyway, waiting to come on for part two of hour two. We'll be right back with Tim Palenti, Tom Bernard Show. This is Tom for Flow. For the past 35 years, Flow's passion to invent a better way has created some of the finest recreational products available. Flow's Cargo Max trailer line is a perfect example of their innovation. This trailer is redefining the utility trailer industry. They start with a strong aluminum frame, and then add a thermoform polymer bed. It gives you a nearly indestructible one-piece trailer body. And since it's molded, it adds style that the trailer industry has never seen. They even beat it with a large sledgehammer at 20 below zero to prove how tough it is. Best of all, you'll never worry about dents, rust, rot, or paint. Visit their website at floeintl.com to find your local dealer and to see videos of this unique trailer, including... A video showing hockey star Ryan Suter shooting pucks at it, trying to break it. 
you'll quickly see how Flow has earned the reputation for quality products and offering you more for your money. Flow, a better way. It's Tom telling you how easy it's been for me to lose weight on the Nutramost weight loss plan. I've started up another round at the new Nutramost Plymouth location, and those unwanted pounds are going fast. I've lost over 34 pounds. Nutramost is so easy, and they guarantee that you'll lose 20 pounds or more in just 40 days. There's no exercise, shots, drugs, prepackaged food, and I'm never hungry. Nutramost has helped me change my life, and I know they can help you too. Nutramost of Plymouth is hosting a second free informational dinner. Learn how to have success losing weight just like me. Neil Sheehy, Nutramost client and owner who played nine years in the NHL and is an agent to some of the NHL's current top players, will be at the dinner, and so will I, actually. It's Monday, April 30th, 6 p.m. at Jake City Grill in Plymouth, located around the corner from Nutramost, just off Highway 55 and 494. Space is limited. Call 763-333-7337 to register. That's 763-333-7337. We are back, ladies and gentlemen. Andy's here. Catherine and Alex are in Phoenix visiting um, Catherine's parents. Mike Molina's in New York visiting his brother. But our very special guest today, and I try to explain to people that I knew you before you were governor the first the first two times, as a matter of fact, what, what was the what was the year you got elected? First elected, two thousand two. Two thousand two. So you served from two thousand two to two thousand ten. That's right. Yeah, technically January of two thousand eleven. Yeah. January two thousand three to two thousand eleven. But are you saying, Tom, with all these people gone, that there just is no one else? So it's me. No, that's oh, not. Okay. That's not what I'm saying at all. all right. What I'm saying is, is that they constantly take these trips and Andy and I get stuck with all the work. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. Well, you know, if you if you said that with Catherine here, there could be consequences. But you're a well, big talker now that she's yeah, in Phoenix guy. and probably not listening. <laughs> really tough guy. Yeah. That's the whole deal. Speaking of wives, how's your lovely wife? She's great. As, although on the theme you were talking about, she's up north at her cabin with our dog and uh, I'm doing you have a cabin? Stuff. Yeah. Everyone in Minnesota has a cabin. Well, almost uh, we're the only ones who don't have a cabin. Yeah, We used to have a farm, but we sold the farm. But you live in a place like a cabin. You have a lake, and you have some nice outdoor foliage yeah. and yard and trees and grass and all kinds of good stuff. Catherine and I have a little battle going because she wants to sell the house. She actually put the house on the market, but I really don't want to sell it. What's the issue? What's the divide? The div- it's It's just way too big. Yeah. She said, I mean, and it is, the house is, it's, is far too big for two people to live in, but it's the last place that our kids lived with us. It's the last house that my mother visited before she died. I have a lot of, you know, a lot of personal attachment to that house. There's a powerful sense of home. I mean, people, yeah. you know, that's a big psychological and, you know, mem- walk down memory lane. So it's hard to let go. So the good thing, the good news for me is, the not, the not good news for her, but the good news for me is that that uh, type of house those houses are not moving very quickly because uh, your your very close friend Donald Trump uh, included property taxes uh, or excluded property taxes from the federal return. So all state and local taxes. So if you live in a high tax state like Minnesota, it's not just property taxes. It's you used to get to be able to deduct your state taxes against your federal income tax, and Can't that's that no longer the either. case. Uh, over ten thousand, there's a ten thousand dollar cap on it. So no state, you, you cannot deduct your state tax so did he do this just to get back at los angeles and new york (laughs) well there's some conspiracy theorists who say it was just trying to get at the blue states with high taxes but 
um, you know, it, it does disproportionately affect them. Let's be honest about it. In Minnesota, we got high marginal income tax rates, yep. high property taxes, high this tax, high that tax. And, you know, a lot of people have looked at that and said, eh, you know, that's a one more kind of boulder in the sack that's getting kind of heavy for me here in Minnesota. Yeah, so what, what are we going to do about that whole situation? It's a situation where I, I guess if you can't write off your property taxes, you can't write off what other taxes did you mention? Anything. So the, anything that they call it SALT, Tom, which is an acronym for state, uh, local, whatever, you know, taxes. But so it used to be you could deduct all your state and local taxes from your federal income tax. Mm-hmm. And now you add that all up and you can take a deduction only up to 10000 So All of it added together? together can only be $10,000 deduction. Everything over that, it's not deductible anymore. So what are, what are high-tax state, states like Minnesota? Look, well, they tried to do – one thing they tried to do is create uh, – and there's a battle about this is there's, our local units would say you can give voluntarily to a foundation or a charity that would go to local type government-type services, mm-hmm. but that's been called an illegal question. Anyhow, there's nothing that they're going to do about it right now, and so you're stuck, I'm afraid to tell you, about, on that particular point. Why did he do that? I just don't understand why he wanted to affect all people across the board like that. Well, I I don't know what he was thinking, but I do know that there are some people just came out and said what you said a minute ago, which is we're going to discourage or teach a lesson to high tax places. And we're going to create a a motivation for people to either demand better government, more efficient government, Mm -hmm. lower taxes, or in a worst case, I suppose they have the option to move. Why is Minnesota such a high tax state? What? And we're not Chicago. We're not Los Angeles. We're not New York. We like to think we are, but we're not. Well, Minnesota has a long tradition of really robust government services, and many of that, many of those are important and contribute to our quality of life. But the fact of the yeah. matter, Tom, is uh, by any measure, any measure, Minnesota is one of the top tax states in the country. For the a country. brief period of time, when I was yes. governor, I got us out of the top ten, and now we're back to you know third, third or fourth. But uh, we got a big appetite here, you know, in my view, too much of an appetite for government, government services. And it's inefficient. A lot of it is. It is, absolutely. We have a caller, Andy. Yes, we have Magoo. Magoo, hold on one second because I have one other question. I, here's what I understand. And I, look, the guy is going after you, so I get to go after him. Uh, I'm not a fan of Mark Dayton. I never have been a fan of Mark Dayton. He says outrageous things. Uh, he takes sides on issues he has no business taking sides on, such things like crime, things like that. Um, how can he talk about how wonderful everything, when all his money's sitting in a bank in South Dakota? <laughs> Why do people put up with that? <laughs> I don't know if that's ever been proven, but I guess there's been allegations that his family money's in a trust in South Dakota. But, but the, I, you know, this election for me you know, is coming up is not about Mark Dayton. It's no, about, about no, the future. But, but it's just a different view of the world. You know, look, they got a view of the world. I'm on the, the blue team, I'll call ours the red team. You know, mm-hmm. uh, not, not, you're blue or red. But the point is, if you're Mark Dayton and folks who believe in his view of the world, it is government is sort of the ticket to a better life for people. And no. and uh, more of it is better in his view. And unfortunately, uh, particularly when it's growing faster than the private economy, I just don't agree with that. I think there's a better way to right. do these things through the much of it through the private economy and individual initiative and responsibility. Why doesn't the average person believe that? Well, we got a, we got a lot of issues, Tom, but I would say um, one issue is just this. In today's economy, when I grew up in South St. Paul, you grew up in, in uh, Minneapolis. northern Minneapolis. Back in the day, if you missed the educational rung for whatever reason, mm-hmm. 
You could still go down, in my case, to the South St. Paul Stockyards, my dad, my grandparents, and you could get what my dad called a strong back job. And you could make a living for you and your family. And now if you don't have an education or skill, you get kicked to the curb. And once you get kicked to the curb, your options get pretty limited. And so then you start thinking about, well, if I can't get a good-paying job because of my lack of skills or education, then I want more stuff from the government. And the call comes for more government health care, more government housing, more government transportation, government food. And that, stu- that, that percent uh, of that demand is growing rapidly. And so my view is just one of the things we need to do is we got to get more people more educated and more skilled. And it right. doesn't have to be a college degree. There's great skilled trades and lots of other ways you can do this connected to the private economy. Because if they don't, if we don't do that, mm-hmm. we're just got more and more people looking to the government to take care of but I don't really understand why don't we look around the world and see how socialism worked in Venezuela? How things? How are things right now in in England? England has huge problems because they're on the big giveaway program, uh, healthcare and everything else. People can't get surgery. Very serious surgeries are put off months and months and months because it the system doesn't work. Yeah, and there's no. Um consequences and incentives for either good or bad behavior because in yeah. government you know the average is okay and and that's not that's not how the world works it's unbelievable oh by the way in the third segment because you're going to state all like oh, a quarter whatever after. you need sir whatever you need um i want you to interview somebody coming up in about 10 minutes i want to see if you have a good interviewing skills all right i'm okay. ready i don't know who it is but i'll be ready magoo's joining us magoo how are you I'm fabulous. Is this Teapot, the 39th governor of the great state of Minnesota? You got it, Magoo. Yeah, Tommy. Oh, my yes, father sir. thought he's the cat's meow. You know you know what his father was? Well, who? Whose father? Teapaws? Tim, yeah. I, yes, I do know this. Why, why? How do you know this? I don't know. My father told me that his father was a truck driver, and I'm a truck driver, but yeah. Yeah, well, we should so, point out that Magoo is an over-the-road truck driver. He calls in all the time. That's awesome. Yeah. Magoo, yeah. that's right. My dad was a truck driver, and he got promoted at the end of his career to be a dispatcher, and that was a big promotion for our family. But he, for much of his life, he was a Teamster Local 120 truck driver. God. Yep, that's what uh, a lot of us, I don't know if they'll take me in the office. I probably just stay out here on the road where it's safer they don't want me on the phone <laughs> <laughs> no you uh, might be right uh, you you had a uh, a great inclusion on uh the north star commuter uh railway right I, I did support that you bet yeah right but you didn't you left before it was completed right same with target field no, I, well, I signed the bill to support Target Field or put it into law, um, but it wasn't built by the time. I'm trying to think. It may have been, actually been built. I think I may have been there for the opening. I can't remember the you timing. Might, but in any event, I supported right. uh, Target Field. Right. Um, no, I signed it. I'm sorry. I, I signed the bill in the Metrodome, and then they built it afterwards, I think, is the way it went. Okay. Yeah. I, that, that, that was great things you did for the state of Minnesota, and I thank you for that. Um, I, I have a I have a question. I have been tickled pink since you uh, announced that you're going to be running again, but I get in a lot of arguments. Um, and most of the arguments are from my friends that are coming back at me are that you balanced the budget, but you did it on the back of the teachers. If you could elaborate a little more on 
on statements like that sure. that I'm hearing. Um, yeah, I'd be happy to be, do it, Magoo. Yeah, happy to do it. What, what they're referring to is something called the school payment shift. And so schools mm-hmm. get two big payments from the state per year, one in the spring, one in the fall. And uh-huh. uh, a portion of those payments uh, we shifted from the spring to the fall. So they didn't lose any money. There was just a few-month delay in getting their money. So the people who look back at that and say that was a cut to the schools, if you go back and look at the actual effect on the schools, it, the sky wasn't falling. It wasn't dramatic. And by the way, every governor facing tough economic times dating back to Al Qui has done the same mm-hmm. thing. So it's not, it wasn't even an unusual maneuver. Really, right? Yeah. All so it's a, yeah. so it's false statements when when people are saying that thousands of teachers lost their jobs because you signed that. No, I don't think that's accurate. You know, they'll they'll school districts shrink or grow based on enrollment, and uh, that school shift shifting a little bit of the payment money from the spring to the fall did not, but by itself, cause thousands or tens of thousands of teachers to lose their jobs. That's not accurate. And and just because. I, I want to argue on your behalf. What is that act called so I can uh, look it up and read up? Oh, it's it? called a school payment shift. And so, again, the state has a projected budget deficit, and every governor, again, uh, when when Al Qui left Perpich deficit, when uh, Perpich left Carlson a deficit, when Ventura left me a deficit, every governor who's faced a deficit or at least a projected deficit has done the same thing or similar. In fact, Governor Dayton did it even bigger than I did. Well, why right, is it? But, but, your 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 budgets. I mean, the state was balanced. Well, it has to be. So, in. what they're talking about, Magoo, is this: if under Minnesota law, unlike the federal government, you actually have to balance your budget every budget cycle. In the law, does not require you to, or excuse me, does not allow you to have a imbalanced budget. So, we balance the budget every budget cycle, every time. And what they're talking about is when I left office, and of course, we had a near recession, depression uh, in two thousand eight and beyond. Uh, mm-hmm. There was a projected budget deficit for the two years after I left office, but that assumes a bunch of spending uh, increases that I would have never agreed to. I mean, there was this, so it's called forecasted spending, but I would never have agreed to the ingredients, if you will, of that deficit had I been governor. In fact, Governor Dayton went on to solve it without raising taxes. He, and he did a school shift, by the way, a big one. I know. It, it, it's really hard in politics to uh, make a decisive uh decision on anything because this group is spinning it towards uh their beliefs and this group is spinning stuff towards their yeah it's really complicated and most people can't follow but just tell your friends it is illegal in minnesota to have a budget deficit and the budget was balanced every has, has been balanced every budget period in all of minnesota history and always will because our state law and constitution requires it there's no such thing as an actual budget deficit all right. Well, thank you so much. You and it was it. such an honor to speak to you. And I don't know if you want to tell everybody. You can keep it on the down low. But you got my gorge board. All right. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that means a lot to me. <laughs> All right. Thank you. Thank Bye-bye, you. Tommy. Thanks, Magoo. Always nice to hear from you. Um, didn't the Teamsters Union really stick it to the Teamsters? Uh, their, their retirement benefits really dwindled from what i understand well there's a lot of pension problems tom with with unions generally and public unions private unions and so uh if you go back and look i don't want to go back too far but if you go back to the jimmy hoffa era and some of the others that's going back there was some uh, allegations that there was misappropriation of pension monies now it wasn't the only reason that some of the pensions went bad but it's one of the reasons that there was mischief and maybe to be put it kindly unwise use of some of the pension money that helped implode 
some of the uh, right. pension funds. And by the way, when pri- private pensions go implode, taxpayers can be held on the uh, hook for it because there, there's a guarantee in, under certain circumstances by the federal government. So hopefully after after Insag, the union will be fine. That's where all my dough is, doing all those commercials all those <laughs> you got, years. You get, get the card. See if I'll, yeah, well, yeah. We'll, see it, we'll see how it works out. And, uh, oh, Andy's answering the phone. Gregory Wrightstone is calling. It should be pretty interesting. Oh, excellent. excellent. Um, Gregory Wrightstone, uh, our, our booker does a really, really good job on this show because I never know in advance who's going to be on the show. Like, I, it was only by accident that the fact that I had ta- I called you to talk to you about, you know, this, that, and the other thing, and that you mentioned me you were coming on because nobody ever tells me who's going to be on. So, What's the thinking behind that? You're better when you're fresh, when you're uh, surprised, just kind of doing it from the cuff? Yeah, it's a real honest reaction to everything. There was something this morning that, oh, as a matter of fact, uh, I stayed up and watched the uh, watched the Twins game last night, but I only stayed up till the sixth inning. There was no score in, in the game. And I'm not, I said, well, I, just, I can't stay up until 10 o'clock at night and blah, blah, blah. So I get up, and I don't do any show prep or – I don't do any of that. I just have an honest reaction to whatever appears on the screen. I don't even bring the news up on my own screen. Somebody else does that. So I saw that the Twins won the game 2-1, to one, and that was very nice. I did not know it went 16 innings, 16. though. So I was like, oh, my God. You want to take a break here, Andy? Uh-huh. And we'll be right back more with Tim Pawlenty. And uh, was that Gregory on the phone? Uh, no, that was Wendy. I'll okay. be asking a question for the beginning of the third hour. All right, that's Because we have a guest coming up. All right, we'll be right back. Tom Bernard. It's Tom telling you how easy it's been for me to lose weight on the Nutrimost weight loss plan. I've started up another round. I'm here with my real estate agent, Chris Lindahl. And after seeing what he did for me, I asked if he had something that would help our listeners. Chris, what do you got? We have something very special for KQ listeners. April 16th through the 18th, the Chris Lindahl team is hosting our SellerWorkshop.com series where we're going to teach you how to net between thirty dollars to $60,000 more on your home sale. And the best part is it's absolutely free. So that sounds great, Chris, but what's the catch? Tom, here's what I'll share with you. The number one core value at the Chris Lindahl team is to be generous. I have a teaching degree, and this is my passion to educate homeowners in the Twin Cities on how to sell your house the right way so you don't end up leaving tens of thousands of dollars on the table going through the traditional real estate process. So go to sellerworkshop.com for times and locations and to sign up for your free ticket. The seller workshops are happening April 16th through the 18th. Seating is limited, and trust me, they sell out fast. Visit sellerworkshop.com or call 763-401-SOLD. Tom here for Sabre Plumbing, Heating, and Air Conditioning. When you call Sabre for service, you'll get a certified technician that's an expert at diagnosing, repairing, and installing heating and air conditioning equipment. Sabre techs give you the service you need, not the other stuff that you don't need. When you combine that with Sabre's A rating for customer service and the best equipment from Bryant, you get exactly what you need. So make the call to Sabre Plumbing, Heating, and Air Conditioning today. Sabre and Bryant, whatever it takes. And... Here we are. And we're good to go. Our uh, special in-studio guest, Tim Pawlenty, he is uh, officially running for governor for a third term as governor, which is, uh, oh, I think it's a good idea. Well, again, I, I, I met you before you were governor the first time around, so I've known you for quite some time and spent a lot of time, and our wives get along very, very well. So, uh, you know, i got a personal choice there. 
Thank you. You It just is the way it is. Gregory Wrightstone, our special guest, just in time for Earth Day, Inconvenient Facts, the science that Al Gore doesn't want you to know. Uh, Gregory, I have a question for you. Yes, sir. So we started off with global warming, but we got rid of that because, uh, let me put it this way. I was on the road doing some work. And I flew from uh, West Palm Beach, from Palm Beach International Airport to MSP, Minneapolis-St. Paul Airport, last Friday. And our plane landed at 3 o'clock in the afternoon. 4 o'clock last Friday afternoon, it started snowing, and it snowed 20 inches in the metro area. Now, if we still called it global warming, that would kind of be evidence that there's not a whole lot of global warming going on, except for apparently Al Gore claimed he saw fish walking down the street in Miami. I don't know if you heard that or not, but... I have. What What was he trying... Oh, by the way, uh, so yes, Tim Pawlenty, who's running for governor, and a, two, a two-term governor uh, just a, a few years ago, Tim Pawlenty, is in studio with us. Uh, you probably you probably don't agree on a lot of stuff that Al uh, with a lot of stuff that Al Gore has to say anyway, do you, Tim? <laughs> you know, he and I have been on opposite sides of many political discussions. <laughs> That's what I thought. I'm yeah. Anxious to hear what Gregory has to say about all this. So, what is, is this all about? Making money? The man has made an, a massive amount of money off of this uh, climate change thing, has he not? Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, Al Gore, you might not be aware, he only took one science course in college. And he got a D in it. And we're supposed to be listening to him lecture us. And, uh, I mean, it's incredible. The amount of things he said, that's the problem. One of my favorite quotes from the book is uh, uh, from Yogi, Yogi Berra. Mm-hmm. He said, making predictions is really tough, especially about the future. I mean, that's classic <laughs> Yogi Berra, isn't it? And, and, and that's the problem when you make predictions, and especially somebody like Al Gore, we can look back and see how wrong they've been with these predictions. For example, uh, the U.N. in 2005 predicted there'd be 50 million climate refugees by 2010. Oh, God. And they listed a lot of the high-risk islands. Well, that didn't occur. But not to be uh, undeterred, they, in 2015, they, they made the, the same projection for 2020. Well, in the book, I go back and look at four of the most highly-risk islands that were supposed to be underwater by now. Well, for crying out loud, the population's expo- uh, exploded. There have been people flocking to the islands, not fleeing from them. You know, but they, they just can't understand that uh, one of the problems is they're making these predictions, and that's, that's really the problem. They're making predictions based on climate models that really can't model climate very well. And what we see is these climate models over-predict warming by two and a half to three times as mm-hmm. much of what we actually see. Yeah, I mean uh- – the planet has warmed up on average, but by, like, what, one degree in the past 50 years or something like uh, that? hundred years. Yeah, but we, 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 everything in climate change goes in Celsius, not Fahrenheit. So, yeah, yeah it's, but it's been about a degree Celsius over the last 150 or so years. Yeah, that's Which uh, doesn't sound slow. like that's about a, a degree and a half. I don't have the numbers, you know, it's give or take a couple tenths Fahrenheit. And that doesn't sound like a, a, a whole lot, but... You know, if you're a farmer in Minnesota and you get a, uh, it drops to 31 instead of 32 in April, uh, you might destroy your crops. So, you know, that a small temperature change like that, 
uh, does have a, an effect on, for example, length of growing season and such. And uh, uh, so we, don't, the thing that's important is we don't want to be – we have to accept what actually is happening. Don't be a denier as we're – Right. I'm often derided because temperature has been increasing. Mm-hmm. And we know – actually, when we, if we'll talk about temperature for a moment. We know when the current warming cycle started. It started in the year 1695, okay? That was 350 years ago. That was in the depths of the Maunder, was called the Maunder Minimum, the coldest, coldest part of the Little Ice Age. And it's been warming, thankfully, ever since. Because um, what we see is really bad things happen when it's cold. Uh, and the Little Ice Age was, was no exception because uh, half the population of Iceland perished, for example, and... Uh, the River Thames froze on a yearly basis, and the last time that happened was 1812. So we know by lots of historical data that we have been in this warming trend, out of uh, thankfully coming out of that, you know, the depths of the Little Ice Age. You know, Gregory, the thing about it is, as far as uh, my personal view, you want to live the cleanest life you can. I don't like – I used to, when I would walk around, we'd um, walk the dog or whatever – I used to go over and pick up if people threw a bottle in the street or threw their lunch bag in the street. I used to go and pick them up. And then I was told by uh, by a pretty prominent doctor, you actually touch those things that people just discard in the yeah. middle of the street. I wouldn't do that if I were you because you don't know what disease they have. Yeah, I'm probably in the 90th percentile for recycling, but I'm not going to be touching any yeah, yeah, so, hepatitis I mean, garbage. We want to live the cleanest life we possibly can. We want to you know, respect other people's pro- But it seems to me, uh, and again, this is all, I go for long walks now. I love to go for long walks and just kind of spend time by myself. It seems to me that every year, the garbage in the gutters is getting deeper. Yeah. It's not getting better. So is anybody paying attention to anything that Al Gore said anyway? Well, you know, we're all – you're a conservationist, aren't you? You're, yep. you're a – I think we're all, we're all environmentalists yep. we, you know, yep. in the pure sense of the word. We want, we want to live – we want a cleaner environment. We want a, a safer environment. And, and that's why uh, – I was just contacted by uh, Calvin Beisner, the uh, founder of the Cornwall Alliance, which is a Christian group. And there's nothing in my book at all about religion or Christianity or Judaism or anything. Mm -hmm. And he said, you know what, your book so fully aligns with our principles. And their principles are, we want to use all of our resources. You know, he used the word God's creation. But he says, we want to use all of our resources to benefit mankind. We want to do it mm-hmm. to lift people up a po- out of poverty and do it in a responsible manner. And he says, I want to make your book, and so my book this month is their their book of the month they're promoting. And I didn't, I thought about it, you know, you know, he's right. The overall theme of what I was writing about is how the earth is prospering and thriving and humanity is thriving. And it really goes back a lot, not directly, I mean, not, not entirely, but a lot of it's related to rising temperatures and increasing CO2, uh, so fully benefiting the earth. The earth is greening, soil moisture is increasing, and the experts tell us, and it's not me that's saying, I'm, I'm quoting other experts saying that it's due to the climate change we're seeing. 
Gregory, this is Tim Pawlenty. Just on that point, when, when you set aside Al Gore and his D that he got in science class, mm-hmm. and then you listen to you know, the larger scientific community who make, you know, I think you just acknowledge that the, at least the record since the mini ice age of the 1600s has been a warming trend. Yep. Uh, just two quick questions. One is, do you think any of that warming is accelerated or enhanced by human behavior? And then secondly, beyond Al Gore, are, what, what do you say when people say, well, what about the rest of those scientists? Uh, they're, they're not Al Gore, they're actual scientists, and they think, you know, the following. How do you rebut re- all of those kinds of comments? Yeah, we are, there, there's been, I, I hate to, when I'm, if I'm being interviewed, I hate to throw out numbers, but we almost have to, that we're, our, our CO2 level today is at around 400 parts per million, and that's increased by about 120 since the beginning of the Industrial Revolution. And, and most of that CO2 increase is due to our burning of fossil fuels. Just there's a lot of ways to look at it and prove it. There's, there's really no denying that. And CO2 is greenhouse gas, so that the increase in CO2 has to have some warming effect on the Earth. That's not really an argument. What is an argument is, are, is, is that actually driving temperature increase? And there's a lot of evidence to prove and and support the notion that uh, the warming we've been in is primarily driven by the same natural forces uh, that have been driving temperatures up and down and up and down for hundreds of millions of years. And it didn't suddenly stop at the beginning of the 20th century. So I'll argue that they that the amount of warming that that additional CO2 has on planet Earth is probably a lot closer to five percent than it is 95 percent. And that's really the big argument, because um, we see that, for example, we mentioned earlier that the warming started 300-plus years ago. Well, we know that for the first 200-plus years, that was entirely naturally driven. And again, we're being asked to believe that, that, that those drivers driving temperatures up until early 20th century or mid-20th century suddenly ceased. And that's, you know, your listeners aren't dummies. They're... Nature doesn't work that way. Those same natural drivers are driving temperatures today. And the second part of your your question was about, uh, we hear a lot about the 97% consensus. Well, most of that is based on a paper by John Cook that was written a number of years ago. And his definition of consensus, he would include me. He just cast an extremely wide net. Uh, so anybody that, any scientists that believe that CO2 is increasing and has some warming effect on the Earth would be included in that 97%. Oh, well, that would be like, uh, I've heard it, the example used, that would be like uh, uh, saying that there's a 97% consensus for abortion on demand. If you include people who believe that you should be able to get an abortion in, in the case of the risk of the life of the mother, well, maybe you could get close to 97%. But, but again, it really wouldn't be a you know, very good sample of the population. What, what's the big benefit for all these people? Uh, I, know, I know the benefit for Al Gore, obviously. The man has done rather well. Although I didn't know he invented the Internet until he told me that. But, uh, <laughs> yeah. No, that was uh, – yeah, one, one of the things I want to do, too, I've got some – I've got 90 full color. The, the book is full color. It's written for non-scientists. Um, I've been told over and over it's so readable. Uh, And what I want to do is empower people with some of this knowledge and some of the facts that they wouldn't see elsewhere. 
So at my website, uh, if you subscribe, I'll send you a link for a PowerPoint for the top 25 figures in the book, because I want people to be, have that in their hands so they can actually use it. So the book just doesn't sit on their shelf. No, that's a great idea. I, again, I think what, what I'm hearing from you is, yes, we all want to live clean lives. We want to sure. live the best lives we possibly can. Uh, I just, Gregory and, and Tim, I am seeing people saying things now and doing things now that are the most outrageous things I've ever heard in my There were two headlines yesterday, and this has nothing to do with the current subject, but it does have to do with the with, with where people's heads are these days. Uh, the AP released a, a story yesterday that said that all Christians and conservatives are racist. That's 2.2 <laughs> billion people on the earth are racist. And by the way, I, I, I'm not a very religious person myself, so I'm not fighting a battle for or against anyone here. But Christianity is the most diverse religion on earth. It has people of all colors involved in it, yet that that's what the headline was. I also saw uh, Tamika Mallory say uh, that she would take part in the Starbucks um, racial bias classes only if they didn't allow Jews to be part of it. <laughs> what is wrong with people, Gregory? Have we just lost our minds? Tone deaf. Tone deaf. I guess. Oh, I, well, I, just, I, I get that. And we, but we see just so, such crazy things we read about, yep. you, know, you know, concerning climate change and other things, and the anti-fracking people. And just We seem one of the greatest... Uh, problems we have as a scientist is really the diminishment of the scientific process. We saw that uh, in the anti-fracking debate. We see it here in climate change where pseudoscience passes as as true science. And the peer review process has really been severely diminished over the last few years. It's too easy to get your voice out right now. Yeah, yeah. that's true. Hey, Gregory, this is Tim. One other quick question. There, there's some discussion about, regardless of what you think about this issue, that we've already hit what's called peak carbon. In other words, it's starting to get better already, uh, again, regardless of what you think of the issue, uh, because of a number of things, you know, in, in improved efficiency and fuel efficiency in cars, switching out old coal plants to cleaner burning natural gas plants, you know, continued use of nuclear fuel, uh, maybe not new plants being built, but not decommissioning the old ones, and that, at least in the U.S., carbon emissions are actually going down, and we are leading the world in reducing carbon emissions and so regardless of what you think about the, the issue more broadly you know it is uh carbon emissions are taking place yeah things yeah, get better. well yes and no yes reduce in the carbon United emissions, States, but we're the only country on earth that's really right had that natural gas fracking revolution and mm -hmm. the other we're we're not the drivers of the of the co2 anymore our, our co2 emissions are dropping it's the it's india china uh those two countries in particular yes. are uh, and the rest of the developing world, they're leading the, the, the world with building new coal-fired power plants every month. And uh, so anything we, we do here in the United States really has very little to do with car carbon dioxide is going to continue uh, to increase, and, and due to them, not us. Because we, we've let free markets uh, work here, and CO2 emissions have dropped, although... I would argue that I think the EP under Scott Pruitt needs to uh, reverse their, their edict 
uh, declaring the CO2 as a pollutant because it's not. Um, and before we get, I'm not sure how much time we have here, but I'd like to give out the website. So if anybody does want to get that PowerPoint or sounds good, order a book online, we could do that. And what is the website? Yeah, that's uh, inconvenientfacts.xyz. And there's a promo code there for uh, $5 off. You can get your, but also if you hit subscribe, you'll get a, uh, be sent a PowerPoint with top 25 figures in the book. Fantastic. Gregory Wrightstone is W-R-I-G-H-T-S-T-O-N-E. Gregory Wrightstone, uh, Inconvenient Facts, the science that Al Gore doesn't want you to know. Gregory, fantastic. Fascinating stuff. I, I, like I said, I'd like to live a nice, wonderful, clean life, but I don't really need to be threatened into it. You know what I mean? Yeah, we've just we've just scratched the surface of this. There's, it's, it's. I, I find, I, obviously, I find it fascinating. Right? right. Yeah. Thank you for Thank your time, sir. I appreciate it. We'll be back Thank- more with Tim Pawlenty right after this Tom Bernard show.